John is going to be preach about vision and hope. So this is just a really great, just take it in. Let's be people of vision and hope. All right? All right. Good morning. Hello, everybody. It's a great privilege to get to speak to you today. I always love it when I have the opportunity to do it. And we are on this sermon series called Living with Vision and Hope that Charles kicked off quite ably last week. It was a great message. If you didn't hear it, you should definitely check it out online. And we're looking at this topic of living with vision and hope because, you know, when the calendar changes and the new year comes up, it seems like a good time to ask these questions about 2017. What are we hoping for? What are we looking towards? Are we trying to build something meaningful in our lives or do we find ourselves just kind of going through the motion surviving? I mean, do you want to live with vision and hope in 2017? That sounded kind of persuasive, but like, do you want to live with vision and hope in 2017? Of course you do. We all do. And that's what this series is all about, how faith can make that possible. So I recently cleaned out a closet in my apartment, and I came across this. You know what this is? This is my box of dreams. Yes, it's my box. This box right here represents about a decade of my life. There's a lot, probably 10 years of my life that could be summed up in this little box. Ooh. Interesting stuff. In this box are photos and press clippings and CDs and old cassettes and concert flyers, business plans, communications, this whole interesting batch of stuff that came from this period of my life when I did rock and roll music full time. I don't know if you know this about me, but between the years, around started around 2000, 2006, I took a serious crack at breaking a rock and roll band and... uh, Back at the turn of the millennium, I got this band together and decided to see if we could break it in the big time. I mean, it was a very concentrated effort to do it. It was a big risk. At that time in my life, I was an associate pastor at this thriving church in Colorado. And I was having a great time, but there was this thing in my gut that just wouldn't go away. And I'd been working on it for years and years, and I had this burning passion for music. And so when the moment was right, I I did kind of a crazy thing. I resigned my safe and secure position as a pastor so I could take a full-on shot at a career in music. So this box here represents this crazy, interesting season of my life. The time I went full tilt to follow my dreams. Now, I've told you over the years of speaking to you many different stories about my life, right? We're always bringing in stories of our lives. But I've never really covered these chapters of my life with you. I've never really told you much about it. Ah, there it is. How about that? That looks like a band waiting to happen. Pensive. Hair all spiked up. <laughs> there it is. That's the time I tried to break a rock. Yes, that's me on the left. What do you think? I knew this was going to happen. I'll just take my box of dreams and be right out of here. This is the band. <laughs> No, this is the band. The band was the name of the band was you call that art? Colorado, two thousand. It's all a true story. Yes, you're going. Wait a minute, I didn't know this. Let's just leave the commentary aside for a moment. All right, roll it right, Dave. They're they're gonna they're never gonna let me go. You know this whole notion, of course, of following your dreams. It's such a prevalent, it's a perennial theme in our day and age. It just never goes away. 
never goes away. You know, the new hot movie right now is La La Land, right? Among many, but that's the one that's getting so much attention. And one of the reasons it's getting so much is because it deals with this beautiful theme. It's a story we just never get tired of. The narrative that runs deep in our culture. You can be anything you want. Follow your bliss. Discover your passion. And then go for it, right? That's just one of the themes that lives in our, in our culture. And can I just say for a minute, what a fantastic privilege it is that we are living in a time and a place where we even get to think about following our dreams. We do appreciate that, right? Having the freedom and the security to pursue our ambitions, that's, that's an amazing thing. Because for many, many centuries and for many, many people today in other parts of the world, going for our dreams would never even be an option. For so many people, the primary dream is just to survive. So we have to start there. That's an incredibly fortunate time and place we live in that we even get to talk about this. But we do. We do get to talk about it. And it is an important part of our lives, going for the things that, you know, that are deep down in our hearts, right? I mean, how many of us feel like it's important to go for our dreams? Anybody? Yes. It's built into it. And most of us feel that way. And for a lot of people, that's why they end up here in New York, which is an interesting thing. That's one of the things that makes New York such a fun and interesting place to be because it's full of people, many, many people who are trying to make it here because if you can make it here, right, we have all these people rolling around the streets are saying, I'm not throwing away my shot. You know, that makes life very interesting in New York. So. Today, I'd love to talk a little bit about how faith can help us go for our dreams, but go for our dreams in a healthy way. Healthy is the key phrase here, because there are ways to go for our dreams that are actually damaging and and unhealthy. There are risks and there are downsides to going for a dream. You know, back in the late 90s, when I was, you know, in this whole phase of considering about taking my shot, breaking a ban... I had to be very thoughtful about it and ask myself some important questions. You know, what if I make these make mistakes along the way, which I'm sure to do? And what if they mess me up or mess up my relationships? Or what if pursuing my dreams ends up making me someone I don't want to be? Or what if, what if I pursue a dream, but I kind of get out of touch with reality? You know, rock and roll is not known for safe and sane things. So it's like, what, what if? Or, or the other biggie is, what if I, I take my shot, but it doesn't work? And I'll have to live with disappointment. That can be damaging. So, sure, Hollywood endings are great fun to watch. And they can inspire us. Uh, But there's very real potential for failure when we go for our dreams. And there can be damage involved with that. So I want to read you a passage from the Bible that I think sets a foundation for our lives. And they can help us go for our dreams in a healthy way. Let's read this together. I'll read it to you. You just take a look comes from Romans 8. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal body by the same Spirit living within you. So you have not received a spirit that makes you a fearful slave. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own child. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? 
doesn't mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death. No. Despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Isn't this a great passage? Some people might say, amen. It's a great passage, yeah? You would say, that's a classic way of responding. Yes, it is. It's a beautiful, uplifting picture of faith. It's powerful. The sort of person that's described in this section of Scripture is the sort of person who could passionately pursue their dreams without going off the rails. That's my premise. A person who knows that the Holy Spirit is the ultimate source of their life. A person who has, who, who has great confidence in their relationship with the Father God. A person who has a tremendous peace deep inside them because they're certain there's nothing that could ever separate them from Jesus' love. That sort of person uh, has a shot at doing things in a healthy way. And this faith, that I, this type of faith, I think it provides a very crucially important counterbalance for dreamers. It's a counterbalance in a way. Consider this. If you're going to go for a dream, let's say you want to break into the, I don't know, publishing business or fashion industry or you want to rise to the top of the financial world or break a rock band, whatever it is, you're going to need a boatload of tenacity, right? You're going to need a boatload. You got to grab your dream and you have to hold on tight. But here's the problem. Pure tenacity can be toxic, if that's all there is. It can turn you into a very unpleasant person. Can you think of any very tenacious people who are kind of not that attractive, pleasant people? Don't raise your hand and don't point to the person you're sitting with. So what we need is a combination of tenacity and tenderness. That's tricky. An ability to have an iron-fisted grip on my dream, but at the same time, somehow, still be open-handed. Faith can give us that. Likewise, uh, following our dreams takes confidence. You need lots and lots of confidence, right? Take a look. (laughs) That's lovely. That's a downtown Denver outdoor show. I remember it well. You have to strike a lot of poses in rock and roll, right? (laughs) It's a good moment. Lots of confidence. And you need confidence when you're going for your dreams. It's great. It's necessary. But unfortunately, the problem with confidence is that it's only one or two degrees away from arrogance. Right? And we all know that arrogant, egotistic, self-centered people are not leading happy, healthy, connected lives. So faith is what can produce great confidence, but with true humility. That's crucial if you want to go for your dreams. I remember, for example, back in the day when we were playing the club scene in Denver, and we would have amazing, great fun. Things were starting to cook, you know, and clubs were going, having great times. Saturday night, be out way late, clubs were thumping, and then I'd have to show up bright and early on Sunday morning to just play guitar in the worship band. And it was this great balancing factor of like, okay, striking the pose, you know, getting this thing to go on, and then kind of humbling out and just being part of a team. That's important. So faith can also give us Uh, A very important quality, the all-important quality of resilience, which is really non-negotiable if you're wanting to pursue your dreams. You're going to need resilience. So one more time, look at this section of Scripture. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? 
doesn't mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. You notice that the victory is not that we avoid calamity and trouble. It's not that we avoid it, but it doesn't defeat us. I have a little message for you. If you decide to follow your dreams, you're, you're signing up for some trouble and calamity. <laughs> hate to be the one to break it to you if you hadn't considered it, but there are things are going to happen. There are going to be drummers who quit and bass players who need to be fired, and there's going to be wrestling matches with managers who are going to challenge your decisions. And despite all of these things, whatever those setbacks may be, you can still experience, Scripture says, overwhelming victory. Remember that phrase, overwhelming victory. So what's on offer here is an opportunity to become someone who can live a richly satisfying life through a connection with God. And it's this connection that can help us develop the positive characteristics that are necessary to pursue our dreams full tilt without those toxic side effects that often come along with it. Makes sense? My premise makes sense? Okay. So here's my first takeaway thought. Number one, don't feel like you have to have some big dream. See how I did a little switcheroo there? Did a little switch? Did you notice that? I reversed course on you. I know, I know. Despite everything I've just been saying thus far, going for some big dream is certainly not the only way to live life. Not by any means. I had an interesting uh, chat with a friend of mine, a guy my age, (coughs) middle age. And uh, this guy said something interesting. He said, I hope I live another 50 years, uh, but if my life were to end tomorrow, I wouldn't feel ripped off. I've enjoyed my life. I've connected with God. I have a loving marriage relationship. I'm raising decent kids. I've done some good work. I wouldn't feel cheated if it were to end now. Wow, that's an interesting perspective. You know, some people think that living a life of faith means that we should, you know, be sent off on some grandiose adventure. But let me just show you a powerful and often overlooked command in the Bible that talks about just how we should live our lives. Take a look at this. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you. So that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. So that you will not be dependent on anybody. I kind of like that. Just just chill out. Just work. Take care of yourself and your family. You know, become independent. And over time, you're going to win people's respect. Just make that your ambition. I I read this recently uh, on a recent article in Psychology Today says the trouble with this exhortation to follow your passion or go for your dreams or find your purpose, the trouble is that it implies that those of us who are decently content, albeit not particularly passionate about any one thing, or those of us who are unemployed or underemployed or depressed or raising kids or otherwise unable to start off on a new path, are somehow devoid of dreams, passion, and purpose, or somehow even small people. I thought, wow, that's a great point. That's true. There are no small people. There are no small people. Big dreams are not required to live a happy, fulfilling life. 
Now, sure, it's great to make it a goal to do what you love, right? Yeah. If you have a chance for that, go for it. Do what you love. But, you know, an equally valid goal, and frankly, maybe even a greater faith challenge, would be to learn how to love what you do. That's a big deal. Do what you love versus love what you do. So let me throw out my first practical suggestion today. How about this for a goal for 2017 as we look at this coming year? As each week goes by, I want to love what I do a little bit more. What do you think of that? All right, so we have, a what, 50, 48 more weeks in this. What if, what if we made this like every week that goes by? I want to think I'm loving what I'm doing a little bit more. Just a notch. Just taking steps forward to love what I do. That would be a great goal to make, to consider as we look at this year. Here's a second takeaway thought for you. Own your vision. Own your vision. Here's my observation. I've been trying to follow Jesus for about 34 years. And I've been trying to encourage other people to do the same thing for that whole time. And what I've observed is that sometimes we, people of faith, tend to make, I think, two mistakes when we talk about going for our dreams. And the first one is this, that we downplay our dreams. We downplay them, our desires. And we don't really completely admit to ourselves and to others what we're aiming for. You know, we don't really own up to our ambitions. I think that's a mistake. A second one I've seen is that we sometimes go the other direction. We try to pin too much on God. And we get kind of overly spiritual. You can tell because we'll use language like, you know, I think God told me or he's, he's uh, leading me to do this or he wants me to do this. And that, while that can be true, sometimes people are hiding with language like that. I've made both mistakes with the band. I, I definitely have. I remember in the early days, I downplayed my hopes. You know, I didn't want to really admit, okay, this is what I want to do. I downplay them. And then later on, I did the opposite thing of trying to pin too much on God. I remember one of the things I discovered in the box was this series of faxes that I had sent over a couple of years to a person who said, I would like to pray for you while you're doing this crazy adventure. And so every couple of months, I would send him a fax and give him an update. And uh, it's interesting to see because you capture this whole you know, chunk of time. And it's very clear in these faxes as I'm writing this man who's praying for me that on one hand, I'm describing a very exciting story because things were going very well. But I could tell, too, as I read them now, wow, I was really looking for permission. I was looking for validation. And I was kind of couching that within spiritual language. That's a typical thing to do. I'm not saying that's wrong, but it's a, it's a thing to be aware of. Either way, though, whether we downplay our dreams or we over-spiritualize, I think both ways are just methods of trying to cope with the risk. <laughs> There's a huge risk involved. There's a risk involved. And so if you've never really declared what your bullseye is, then you don't really have to own up if you miss the target. You know what I mean? It takes some guts to say, this is what I'm going for in my life. You know, I'm trying to break into Broadway. Or I, I want to open a restaurant. Or I want to get married and have a family. Or I want to be CEO by the time I'm 45. It takes guts just to state it. It does. And so I think these are ways of coping with that downplay over spiritualizing you know and as for the god part how he does that it's certainly true let me make sure i say this it's certainly true that god sometimes very clearly does tell people to pursue certain life directions and calling he can call people and if he calls you into something do it it'll be good 
It'll be good. But what I've found is that many times, and actually maybe most times, that the way that God guides us is not so much some outward voice coming to our head saying, do this. The way that God guides us most times is that he helps us answer a couple very important questions. Who am I? And what do I want? That's not as easy as it first sounds. So this leads me to my next practical suggestion for you. How about this week we take some time to think and pray and write down the answers to these questions. God, who am I? Who have you made me to be? And what do I really want out of my life? To own that, that's a healthy, good move, no matter what you're going for. Make sense? You with me? I'll show you more pictures later. Don't worry. Okay. So here's my next big takeaway. I would encourage us to go for our dreams with a new covenant mentality. New covenant mentality. So if you've been around the past few weeks or a couple months, really, we've been talking about the new covenant versus old covenant way of thinking, way of approaching life, approaching faith. And one leads to good things and one really ends up messing us up, I I propose. The old covenant way of thinking about God and life and faith is this. You figure out what God wants, you obey him, and he will bless you. And if you disobey, he won't bless you. Now, I get it. This just makes such sense, you know? It's completely intuitive, this way of thinking. It runs very, very deep. It's like in our DNA. Well, wait, are you saying we shouldn't find out? I'm saying there's a mentality there that ends up being quite tricky. Because what Jesus did when he came was brought us a whole new way of understanding how life works. So it's Jesus who brought unconditional love, extravagant mercy, mountains of grace, right? That's the whole point, a whole new way of understanding how we interact with God, how we go about our lives. Love, grace, and mercy. Not a quid pro quo, right? That's one way of looking at Jesus' whole thing, a new covenant he brought. So we can kind of grasp this approach. Here's my premise. We kind of, we've heard this, we get it, that like in our religious life, this is how we should think. But Many times when we're following our dreams, we actually fall back into this old covenant way of thinking, the old covenant mentality, which says, well, my success must be God's blessing and a setback, well, he must be unhappy in some way. It's just ingrained in us. We see it all around. You ever seen one of those locker room after the game interviews where Some well-meaning religious football player says, you know, I just want to thank God for giving us victory today. And you're thinking, what about the devout loser on the other side who's going, thanks for nothing? You know, it seems absurd to us when you see it in that context. But you know what? We do the same thing. We do. We do that. When things go my way, we go, yay, God is happy with me. When things go poorly, we go, boo, God let me down, or I must have done something wrong. That is like deep in us, and that's the old covenant way of thinking. It's no good. leads to nothing good. So struggles and setbacks do not mean that God is withholding his blessing. On the other hand, 
bonuses and breakthroughs do not necessarily mean that God is blessing you either. We got to get past that. Those are both old covenant ways of thinking. So here's what a new, new covenant, a Jesus sort of way of thinking would be like, more like this. Look, either way, resounding success or crushing failure, either way, God is with me. He loves me and he's going to bring good things out of either outcome. That's a different way of thinking. Make sense? I'm preaching here. You with me? Come on, people. So here's the truth. Of course, we never can be sure if we're ever going to accomplish our dreams when we set out for them. We may not have the Hollywood ending. We may not make it. But we do get to choose who we become in the process. Regardless of success or failures. And that, that's where the good stuff actually is. Who are we? So that leaves my last practical suggestion. Let's decide that who I am becoming is more important to me than what I hope to achieve. This would be a good thing to settle in. You with me? So that brings me back here to my little box of dreams. My little box, a decade of life. All these things got... Ooh, you should see what's in here. It's just amazing stuff. Oh, yeah, I remember. Amazing time. All these thoughts got stirred up in me recently as I came across this and began to think back about all that I learned when I followed my passion and I tried to break this rock band back in the 2000s. Yeah, we did it. We actually did pretty good. We got to the top tier of the Colorado region, and we attracted some great interest and some investors, and we had lots of great moments, good following. But alas, didn't work. Want to see a couple more pictures? Throw another one up there. What do we got here? Ooh, there's the uh, guitar solo face that when you learn to play guitar, you're issued that face. <laughs> Say, so you got you to make a face when you're squeezing out those notes. That was a fun moment. What else we got? Oh, that's a good one. You can't really tell, but it's outdoor. It was one of these Colorado Canyon shows. Very, very fun. Oh, there's a nice. Signing CDs. That was our CD release party. That was a fun. <laughs> another, another stage moment. Yes, yes. There you go. That's it. I got many, many more, but I won't do a Hilarious, huh? <laughs> kind of fun. So what did I learn from all of this? The big takeaway. You ever seen the movie, or now it's a musical, School of Rock? Yeah, you know School of Rock. Well, I got a master's in School of Rock. And a master's in School of Rock is kind of like a liberal arts degree. It's the sort that you, you know, fuss over for years, and then once you actually get it, you realize you're not going anywhere with it. You know what I'm talking about? One of those. <laughs> And instead of a thesis, I've got a closet full of CDs and memorabilia and all that. Actually, I learned a lot, as you might imagine. I learned a lot about music, and I learned a lot about the music business. And most importantly, I learned a lot about myself. Right? I really did. You know, big, for example, a big part of this, this whole dream was to learn how to use my musical gifts to express myself and to connect with others as I do that. Does that sound at all familiar to, you know, like when I'm back here, like I'm trying to connect? 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Chris. Hopefully that's still working here. And, of course, I do have the satisfaction of knowing that, you know, I didn't throw away my shot. Hamilton would be proud. I didn't make it, but I don't regret it. Not for a second. You know, you know why? I had to think a lot about this this week. Hmm. How do I really feel? You know why I don't regret it? Because I was living life. Capital L I F E, all caps, underlined, bold. Life. I was living life. You see, this whole journey for me and for us started many years earlier when Sarah and I had one of these moments, one of these talks. We had a, one of those lifetime shaping moments. Where it was over Mexican food, which is how it usually works for us. <laughs> but we had one of these conversations where we started thinking about our lives and our future. And we made a very concrete decision that, you know what? We want to live with no regrets. We very consciously said, we don't want to get to the end and be sitting in this uh, nursing home and going, you know what? We we were safe and responsible, and isn't that good? We never did anything crazy. Yay. Let's rock. (laughs) That's not what we want. So we decided that what mattered most to us was to live life fully, to take a risk, to go for this dream. Because even more than achieving the dream was this notion, like we want to live without regret. So, after, you know, after the band had its arc, they all do. They have like, ooh, it's a go. After it crested and, and it was done and it didn't work, there's a lot of disappointment. There's heartache involved. There's some pain that you carry around that I carry around. You know who doesn't feel pain? Dead people. (laughs) They feel no pain. When my dream ended, I felt alive. Hurting, disappointed, but I felt alive. And that that stuck with me. That has really stuck with me. Actually, it's shaped our whole outlook. I don't know if you know this about me and Sarah. You could probably tell. We have a blast. Sarah and I are having a great time truly enjoying our lives. And it's not just because we're empty nesters in New York City. <laughs> Although I recommend it if you can swing. It's not just that. It's because we've locked into a way of approaching our lives that says we're going to live without regret. And we put that into motion for years. And now it's like part of how we do things. So here's the point. Whether you go for your dream and you just knock it out of the park, or if your dream crashes and burns, or if you just stay put and lead a nice, quiet life, the point is to live To become a full-fledged human being. That's the point. Fully alive. So, my proposal today is that faith, and when I say faith, what I mean is a real deal, ongoing connection with Jesus, that can really help us pursue our dreams in a healthy way. 
But the most amazing part of faith is that whether or not we're even going for a dream or whether or not our dream flourishes, we can flourish. We can flourish. That's the overwhelming victory that we have through Christ who loves us. That's the overwhelming victory. We're living. We're flourishing. So, final thought. Way, way back in the second century, there was a Saint Irenaeus. Here's what Saint Irenaeus said. Beautiful quote. The glory of God is a human being who is fully alive. You heard this one? Beautiful, right? The glory of God is a human being who's fully alive. That's what we're going for. Let's pray. Lord, come make us alive. Lord, we've banked everything that you really want to bring life to us. Life in all its fullness. So I just pray that that would be happening in us today, even in these minutes that we have together as we gather, continue to worship and pray. That you would set the course for us, Lord, to become fully alive. Invite you into this moment as we're gathered. That you'd speak to each one of us. Take us on. Amen.